What's going on, my people? You're listening to The Score, an urban music education podcast hosted by Eric and Justin, where we discuss tips and strategies on how to become a more effective, compassionate, and culturally responsive music educator. What's going on, my people? This is Eric. And this is Justin. And we're your hosts for The The Score. Score. Welcome to episode 20. Let's go. Making something out of nothing. Yeah. So, Justin, man, when I I say this, man, obviously, one of the biggest things that I want to bring this to the table was because I keep hearing nothing but complaints when we go to, you know, state conventions or professional development, and it's about not having. Yeah. uh, Not having enough instruments. Mm -hmm. Not having parental support. Not having students stay after school, not right. having et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So when I say making something out of nothing, what comes to mind for you? Uh, that means going into a situation and assessing what you don't have and then start trying to, from that day, okay, how can I start to build to what I don't have? So if that means I walk into a band program and I don't have instruments, okay, what can I do between now and the next time I need to talk to my appraiser or my principal? Or when I go to talk to them, I can have some type of product where they can say, Okay, let me see if I can try to find you some tubas or let me see if I can find you some saxophones in that moment. Or assessing and saying, okay, out of my students that I teach, what students have money to get instruments and then what students don't have money? So that way when I do go talk to the powers that be, I'm not saying I need $10,000. I can go in and kind of be like, hey, I have a group of students that need instruments. Is there any way I could get a thousand dollars, eight hundred bucks to figure out how to assess these kids, and then just coming up with schemes. Like, if I got a set amount of instruments, how can I make it more affordable? Everybody get a mouthpiece, you share an instrument, you know, until I get other things. And that's just that's just me. I want to compete, so I'm not gonna sit there and be like, oh, I don't have this. What can I do in the meantime? That's 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 my idea. What can so I? So you're do looking in the at it at uh, what comes to mind when you said just that was when I was in the process of buying a home. Yeah, uh, I I honestly did not gravitate, and nor will I ever these cookie cutter homes like right, suburbia right, right. homes. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. honestly, I had this mission of coming back to the neighborhood uh, that I was raised in and revitalize it after going to college. So what comes to mind was was some of my father's teachings mm-hmm. was okay, look at this house, but look at it what it could be. Mm, yeah, that's good. That's and I good. and I carried that into the band hall into mm-hmm. any music classroom that I was walked into because I knew I was coming from that same environment and I knew I experienced that lack. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I one of the things that I can remember was the fact that I didn't get to play on because I played alto sax and I and I played on my brother's horn that was 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 uh, passed down to me that he purchased. I didn't get to play on another saxophone. Yeah. Until. I became a music educator. Wow. So, like, I played tenor maybe once. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't play Barry until and just simply because there wasn't access to mm-hmm. these instruments for yeah, me to be yeah, able to do yeah, that. Yeah, sure. And if they were checked out, they were checked out to other students. Yeah. So there weren't systems and procedures in place for me to even be able to, to test them out. Mm-hmm. So when, I, when I, I bring that up is the fact that I did operate with that mindset. It was like... All right, I don't have this. Okay, so what do I need to do to get yes, this? Yeah, right. Um, some of the things that I was able to do, um, I guess it, I did do a uh, inventory check. So yeah. if we want to talk about first about simply inventory, I went and did an inventory check. And in middle school, I was able to get a startup inventory for a neighboring district. 
And I kind of use that as a as leverage a gauge and, and yeah. leverage for the administration, yeah, but as yeah. a gauge for myself to say, all right, this is startup inventory for a new middle school in our neighboring district mm-hmm. in the same region that we competed in for UIL. Right. I don't have half of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how am I even expected to start? To compete and even, yeah, yeah. If my thoughts had let me go in that direction, I would have you you know, dug there. myself in the hole and just yeah. said like, Oh, I well, can't do this. I, do. I yeah. can't do this, yeah. which yeah. I hear consistently from yeah. my colleagues is like, I, well, I don't have this. I don't have that. And right, they right. try to use, they use these phrases and, and, and honestly excuses to validate their ineffectiveness. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to just be real about that yeah, yeah. because don't get me wrong. Uh, you have every music educator has every right to teach wherever they want. We, you and I were intentional about serving that setting. For sure. So when we walked in, it was kind of one of those things of, all right, this is what it looks like now. All right, so what was the remodel going to look like? Exactly, exactly. And just being willing to work through that, you know, like whether that's lack of instruments, whether that's even just, you know, lack of bodies and seats. Like, okay, how can I make this 30 kids, you know, sound good and be invested while working to draw in the next 15 to 20 or sh- making announcements on the, uh, uh, on over the loudspeaker. Hey, if you're interested in being in band, come stop by the band hall. All of these things, there is a... There is this mindset of what are you doing with what's in your hand mm. instead of looking what's in your what's not in your hand. Because mm. we could sit there and just be like, well, I don't have this, but you have this. You know what I'm saying? And so if you just if you push with what that is, I think we both kind of mirror this. When I get into a situation, I'm just going to put my head down and I'm going to work. Yeah. And when I look up and see whatever else may be available, that'll add to what I'm already doing. But mm. I'm not going to wait until I see, you know, supplies or, or resources. I'm going to just be like, all right. Yeah, I'm gonna make it work. You yeah. know, whatever capacity. If I don't have technology in the room and I got only my iPad and my MacBook, well, I'm gonna make that work for my kids until something else comes along. For sure. You know what I'm saying? And I think one of the biggest thing is to is to document because if we want to give you some suggestions, uh, if you're at a place where Justin just talked about, let's say you're using your personal equipment. And one of the things on your wish list, because I've heard of administrators do this all the time. Hey, just draw up your wish list right, and right. We'll work from there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, when, but then I've also been in situations where literally walking down the hallway, one of my principals stopped me and was like, uh, I need you to draw up a list today of everything to that you need. Yeah. And I said, wait, today? He's like, today. And yeah. you and you have you better make that happen, you know. <laughs> Skip your lunch. And luckily, I had an assistant at the time, right, so he's like, right, right, right. "Have your assistant teach all your classes. Make that list for me today." Yeah, yeah. And so early on in my career, I I can remember my first request. I think I submitted something for like two thousand dollars. Wow. And and I was like, man, this this is a lot of money, you know. <laughs> and get, which and, which is really not it's in the not, grand scheme of things, but. <laughs> Obviously, me coming out of college, yeah. a broke college student, right, and right. then being raised lower income, I had this perception that two thousand dollars was a lot yeah, of money. For sure, and me asking for it, I was I was going with this very humble approach. I remember, I turned it in, and the the principal was like, "Okay, oh, wait, what?" <laughs> and I, all, all I could think in the back of my mind was, "I should have put I, more on the yeah. list." <laughs> so the next time, I, I think I put it up to like thirty five hundred. Right. And, okay. I was like, "Wait, wait, wait, what?" Yeah. And so. When he finally asked me that question, it was after the, a couple of those situations, mm-hmm. I went in. Yeah, and yeah. So that's when I went back and I and I said, okay, to put us even on par for a startup inventory right. for this neighboring district, I need these things. And I put all of those things on that list. And so I went back and it was I think it was around fifty to sixty thousand. Yeah. Uh and he's like, Okay, all right, so we can't do all of this. <laughs> and he turned it around. He goes, All right, pull out the calculator, let's go one by one. Yeah. For and sure. so we went down the line, and I think I had a, a several concert tubas at the end. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I can get you one. 
Yeah. And I was like, hey, one is better than nothing, sir. Yeah. And so from there, I remember he came down and observed, and he saw our tuba that we currently had, and it, it must have been, you know, one of the, I can't even date it as yeah. to when it, when it became part of the inventory, and that's how aesthetically bad it looked, and, mm-hmm. you know. And so he's in the back of the band, and he kind of points at the tuba like, how much for these? <laughs> and, I, and I put up five with my hand, and he goes, 100? And I said, no. He goes, uh, okay, ask for a grant from the PTA. Right, right, But right. at least he knew, you know, and I told him, I was like, that's one of the ones that I asked for. And he's like, yeah. uh, okay, ask for a grant. Right. So that led me to my next thing. It was about, all right, I wasn't able to get it from there. And I sh- let me backtrack. Uh, in Houston ISD, we are on a site-based managed system. And what that means is such a large district and but the way the operating system works is that every principal is in charge of their own budget and anything that's allocated to the fine arts and specifically music comes out of their general fund. And so the te- the principals have the ultimate discretion to say how much money is allocated to their fine arts programs. So there's not a uh, student per, you know, a, a per student ratio allocated for the fine arts. It literally is up to the principal. Yeah. So think about it. If a principal is being uh, badgered or has their job on the line simply because of our state, adju- state test scores, then they're going to put most of their effort into That's elevating that. that. Yeah. Because there's no way of really tracking right now the impact within the district of Houston ISD that the fine arts are making. Although we all know that that most of us that are doing that are benefiting in some way, form, or fashion. Yeah. So I'm just glad that I I have had some principals that see the product and they're like, okay, I'm gonna invest into this. Yeah. yeah because sure. I, I see a return on my investment. Yeah. But at the end of the day, their boss doesn't care for that. Mm-hmm. When when I've heard some of their bosses, you know, they go to their boss and say, Hey, uh, my my band got sweepstakes at UIL. Well that that's cool. Let's 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 keep that up. Right. Congrats. <laughs> and you know well, how they, do we keep that up? Exactly. Yeah. And so they, they don't care about that. It's no. about the interventions. Yeah. So going past that, um Obviously, instruments is probably the biggest the biggest factor yeah. because kids, let's talk about specifically kids in lower income settings. When you're now asking a family to spend Add another bill yeah, to their, their I mean, lot of you're, bills. You're a little bit more uh, up to date on some of the costs. What, what's an average monthly rate right now? I mean, the average monthly rate for an instrument, you could probably be around $30, 35 so, although in the right setting, two parent income, you know, they budgeted their money, right? That doesn't seem like a lot, especially if you know, like after your sixth grade year, or if they look at it from a standpoint of you pay this money so much over the three years while they're in middle school, band, you get to high school, the instrument's yours. But for a parent who may be, you know, blue collar job doing their very best, you know, got a, they're not living above their means, you know, they doing what they need to be doing, that 35 is. That may be their gas stipend for the week to get mm-hmm. to and from work. You know what I'm yep. saying? And so when you start looking at the nuts and bolts of it, it, it just on top of, okay, that's the instrument. If they the play a woodwind instrument, okay, mm-hmm. they got to get a mouthpiece. They got to have reeds. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And, and and so it just it becomes a thing. And so you have to be very leery of that um, while dealing with your with your students. But that still can't become an issue, right? So, like, one of the things that we did – I was teaching middle school. We had a fundraiser that we did, and we made the kids do the fundraiser. Now, most of that money did went towards the band, right? But those few kids in the program who we knew couldn't rent an instrument, they could barely afford the instrument rental fee. I pulled those kids aside, 
and I had a meeting with them either individually or collectively, and I said, hey, this is what we're going to do. You sell X amount of dollars. Those dollars will go towards us pulling that money from our full uh, income that we get from the fundraiser. We're going to buy you a mouthpiece. We're going to buy you X amount of months of reads. At least if we get you that, then when you say, hey, mom, I need to get me more reads, you haven't spent any money. Yeah. You know, and so the kids, they see two things. They see you care about them, and the parents see you trying to make an opportunity for their kid to be a part. And so you just got to go through those extra means to provide the opportunity it's going to be a little bit more stressful you got to be on those kids because those are the same kids like all right who's turned in their fundraiser money and then i'm looking at the kid that i'm making an opportunity for and we gotta we gotta have a come to jesus meeting Mm -hmm. i'm trying to help you out you know what i'm saying i can't i can't keep uh being your crutch i'm trying to give you a way to help yourself so so i want to i want to push back on you because uh not not because i agree with with the the method that you're you're recommending yeah but i've heard some of our colleagues say well you know you're just enabling them. They're never going to understand the appreciation of uh, what it means to purchase their own things. You're just giving handouts. No, I don't think that that's the case. And part of that is because um, we have to teach kids how to work, whether they, I mean, we could say the same for kids who are able to buy the instrument and able to buy the mouthpiece and we enable them because they're not practicing. And we just say, Hey, bring your instrument to school. You, you, your parents paid this much money. So, I mean, we could, we could, you know, we could do that all day. At the end of the day, what am I trying to teach them work ethic? That if you work for something and you get it, right, whether it comes out of your parents' pocket or you spent time going door to door, going with your parents at church or whatever other public places that you go with and getting money through this fundraiser, then that helps you feel the worth of what you're getting. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Now, it's aid and abetting if I just say, hey, the band has X amount of mouthpieces and I give it to you. Now, when you lose it, why do you care? Yeah. Mr. McLean just gave it to me out of the collection. I'll just go back up to his desk and I lost my trumpet mouthpiece. No, but when you spent your time and your parents have spent time working to get people to buy stuff and you had to sell whatever the original, let's say you had to sell the fundraise, you had to at least turn in $100. Well, you got to turn in 160 because that 60 is going to go towards helping you get something. That, that kid had to work a little bit harder. So you, you and you actually said something that you're combating that when you said you have to have those, some of those coming to Jesus speeches. Yeah. With them. That that in itself is is, I mean, is a part of it. Right. That that, um, you know, and you have to be present that there are some soft skills that you're going to have to transfer that some of our kids don't have. Exactly. Uh, nor probably their parents have. No. You know, um, I can think about. Having to spend, let's say, fifty dollars for a larger yeah. rental instrument, because right. most of the some of that might be like a a trombone mm-hmm. or euphonium. You got to think about it. A parent, you know, let's say uh, culturally speaking, let's say within Latino families, every time when I would call home when I was an administrator, because I called more home, called home more than that time than I ever right. did as a music educator. <laughs> I'm calling home, and one of the one of the things that uh, I got a lot was, "Hey, can I speak to the parents of so and so?" And they, you know, start speaking Spanish. And it was the dad that answered. He's like, yeah. oh, uh, I'm the dad, but the mom takes care of all the educational stuff. Here you go. Right. And hands over the phone. Because there is an, a cultural expectation at times that the father kills himself at work. The mother, the mom, you know, yeah, w- deals with home. everything mm-hmm. else. So now I've also been in situations where, you know, if you go and ask the dad, like, hey, can I have $50 for an instrument? $50? What? <laughs> you know? Kind of yeah. Shopping? Exactly. And then, but... Let's go out to eat after church as a family and get the bill. And I've never seen my dad actually look at the amount. 
Of course not. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 I've I've experienced that. You know what I mean? And it will pay for it. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? That that bill came out to fifty, sixty dollars. Right. And we might do that every Sunday after church. One of the and I'm I'm bringing this up because Chris Gonzalez, who used to be at Do It Middle School in Spring ISD. Uh, was a finalist in the honor band, uh, phenomenal work in a Title I lower-income setting, and now works in Klein ISD, has given several you know clinics on this topic. He himself told me one time, hey, man, a way to combat that is tell your, tell the parents, hey, uh, let's skip one meal on Sunday. Right. And, and you pay for my instrument. Right. And then when you put it in, and what he did, and I didn't realize it at the time because this was years ago, he put it in a culturally relevant context for the families. And, and, and I know there are a lot of African-American families that do the same, same thing. thing. Man, I just told some of my kids, even at the school that I'm at now, different type of structure, probably a little bit more, um, uh, I, I guess would say, healthier finances in terms of having more funds, yeah. right? Um, I, I was telling my, my eighth graders and some of my seventh graders, I said, hey, you need to invest in t- another pair of mallets. I need you. I gave them a list of types of mallets they need to get. And I told my high school kids because I'm working with my middle school kids on four mallet stuff when we come back from Christmas break. And they was like, oh, Mr. McClain, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do all this, man. I already got I got timpani mallet. I got snare. I said, you need these mallets for this program that you're going to be a part of. And it was like, well, how much these mallets? I said, let me ask you a question. You just got... The new J's on your feet. Talk those look it. like new Air Maxes. What's those? Ninety <laughs> sevens? Yeah, yeah. I just I got these last week. I said, so you gonna go and spend one seventy, one eighty, and the mallets may cost thirty five to forty bucks. I mean, I guess you got a point. I said, I know I got a point. So get my mallets. So I mean, <laughs> so it's very true. Once you start making them see dollars and cents in terms of what they care about, yeah. then thirty dollars, fifty dollars is not a lot. I told him, I said, those shoes, you're going to wear those shoes out in a matter of months. Mm. These mallets, if you hold on to them and really take what I'm teaching you, now this is an opportunity for you to get a scholarship your senior year of high school. Them, them Jordans you got on, not going to make your jump shot better. Love it. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Another another solution I want to provide uh, you is is the fact that you can do an instrument donation campaign. Yeah. Uh, I think I did that at every single campus that I've, I've gotten to work at, at in Houston ISD. It was literally just an effort to tap into the community and make them aware that we exist. And then because what happens is there's a whole bunch of families that little Susie played the flute. All right. Sixth and seventh grade. Still got the flute. Though. Paid off the flute in two years. Mm-hmm. And the flute's up in the, in the attic. Never going to play it again. Right. And now. So what you can offer these families in return is a tax deductible donation. Mm. And one of the things that I try to do is. I try to give them the opportunity to say what price would you know would right. it be, or if they say I I really don't know, then you can do some research. Type in a use you know right, right. Uh, Yamaha or whatever, whatever, and yeah. just plug it in, put that amount. Have and this can be through the PTO if you have a five hundred one c three through them, but also because it's a donation to an educational setting, yeah. the school itself can provide a letter. Uh, sometimes there's some you know, protocols and some systems to say you have to go to your business manager or your district has a way of doing this. But this should be done and be able to do. I've been able to get some awesome, phenomenal instruments in the in our kids' hands yeah. because of this initiative. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I had a buddy at church one day. And he's like, hey, man, I saw your post, dude. Um, I got a trombone, man. I, I paid it off back in high school, and here you go. Just give me a tax-deductible form. Wow. You know, and wow. I'm like, what? And then another lady overheard that conversation. And just came. And said aren't you the band director at so-and-so school? And I was like, yeah, 
here you go. Here's a trumpet. Well, let right. me get you the tax deductible form. Right. I don't even care about it. Yeah. Some people will do that and obviously try to offer that. That helped boost my inventory quickly mm-hmm. because a lot of them were in plain condition. You yeah. might have to do a, a simple a clean on your on end. It, yeah. But, you know, that that really helped us propel all the programs and, and at least increase inventory from one day to the next. As we take a break from our discussion, we're jumping into the segment called In Rotation. During this time, each of us will get an opportunity to share what we're currently listening to. Favorite artists, genre, album, playlists. If you have any recommendations, drop us a line on our social media platforms at podthescore or send us an email, podthescore at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. So as a podcast host, I've been obviously trying to listen to other podcasts. And one that I'm hooked on is called Latino USA by NPR. They just recently released an episode on Mana, which is a Spanish rock group uh, out of Mexico, uh, from, originally from Guadalajara. And the song that I want to shout out about them is Rayando el Sol. Uh, and so their NPR interview was was awesome to hear the influence of American rock bands into their sound and also reggae. So they did some Bob Marley and the few. And so he was like uh, one of the biggest the challenging thing was to create this fusion that did not exist in Spanish rock. And a lot of these producers and labels were like, Spanish rock will never work. So they are now the top-selling Spanish rock band to ever exist. Uh, I'm a big fan of their work. And when I used to DJ, I would always uh, drop um, some of their songs. And it was one of those kind of, you know, when the first beat drops, the entire crowd recognizes it. <laughs> that's that's how great Mana is. And so I'm, I'm going to recommend that podcast episode specifically. But the song itself is Rayando el Sol by Mana. All right. So I've been on this, uh, man, this funk groove lately, man. I told y'all last time I was listening to Morris Day. And I think why I've been on it so much is because I'm trying to see how they were able to take one, like, drum set groove. And they kind of took this idea that... that um, that George Clinton them kind of started, and then they just took it in their own lanes. Whether it was Prince, whether it was Morris Day, whether it was Zap and and Roger and uh, Roger Troutman, but I was listening to the Gap Band, man. I listened to a whole album of them, Charlie Wilson, and the way they were just able to take sounds, create the groove, and then people just like for like five minutes the same groove over and over again, different melodic changes, but the same groove, man. It's just it's mind blowing to me. So I've been on the Gap Band, Charlie Wilson. All right, we're back. So another thing that I've always heard, and it's the lack of parental involvement. Yeah. And you got to walk in the second year at at Heights, but the first year, I can remember when I got introduced as their band director, and it was actually at a booster meeting. (laughs) And the booster meeting was to elect new officers. There was nobody running for president. Like... It, it you could um, six A program. Whew, I, I, let me take <laughs> it back. When I got invited to their end of year band banquet, you know, um, it was awkward in itself. At that, mm-hmm. I remember that they put the entire staff at a six foot table, uh, and you know, so each of us had a, a date. So I think there was like eight of us at this little table. We got served last, so you can. I was like, you know, I was unaware of what was happening. Yeah, but the layout. You you could cut the tension with the knife uh, between the existing staff and and some of the parent boosters, and and my wife I'll never forget because she looked over and she's like, ooh yeah that's not gonna happen with you, you know. <laughs> Part of that is because 
you know, I've heard of the argument of I just don't believe in boosters. Uh, they cause more issues right. than that, and I just do my fundraising on my own, which, you know, if that's your thing, go yeah, for it. Sure. I, there was no way I could have done it by myself. Yeah. I did that at Davis and with, with Tim yeah. when we were there. And we, literally, we almost killed ourselves. And so with that, I remember making this request of one parent. And I went to her, and she was a former band parent from my time at Hamilton. And I said, hey, just hold on for me. Give me, give me one year, yeah, and yeah. I'll help you. I, I will help you as much as I can. Uh, and Grace, man, I was so grateful for the fact that she took it on. With that one year, at every booster meeting, I made sure there was one thing. Yep. It was like, okay, come on, mm-hmm. come and help. You, you speak only Spanish or you're a monolingual parent, no problem. Right, right, right. I'll stay after and translate or yeah. we'll have a parent help you translate. Come on. Or bring your child and, you know, because yeah. I can remember back when I was a kid, man, my mom would hand stuff over and like, what does this say? And I would have to translate. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You just That's some of the upbringings uh, from a, a Spanish-speaking or monolingual family that's not English. Some of these barriers that sometimes exist right. where I know my mother wasn't like that. She didn't feel any shame that she couldn't speak English very well. Mm-hmm. She would go into these meetings and she would like, okay, you're going to have to translate for me or you're going to do that. So every meeting, I thanked those parents for being there. I honored them. It was like, you don't have to do this. You're dedicating your time. I want right. to make sure. At any instance that I felt that there were some parents there with this mindset of my child, only my child, and benefit my child. I kind of deterred that conversation and yeah, said, yeah. no, you're here for that kid that the parent can't be here because they're mm-hmm. working two or three jobs yeah. or doesn't want to be here. You know, yeah. We don't create this narrative that doesn't exist. Sure. You're here, and let's make it happen. Because yeah. what always pops up is like, well, it's always the same eight to ten parents That's doing the same thing. That's what you signed thing. up for. Ex- exactly. It's like, okay, for. hey. I'm present to that. Yeah, yeah. But there are some parents that you're not aware that they reached out to me mm-hmm. and they said, you know, Mr. Jimenez, I can never physically be there, right. but here's a donation. Right. Here's, uh, you know, whatever, you know, but yeah, they yeah. find a way to contribute. Mm-hmm. So when that in itself has now created this, this almost, uh, family in itself. Cult. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in a good way, right. you know, shout out to all our Heights boosters. Right. Because even then they hang out on their yeah, own now, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they've created relationships because they hang out so much, mm-hmm. uh, there. Yeah. The other thing I want to bring up is creating these culturally relevant fundraisers. Right. You know, I right. saw, uh, Lance Finley, director of bands out in Needville, yeah, yeah. had a tamale and, excuse me, tamal and salsa fundraiser. By the way, uh, FYI, the singular word for tamales is just tamal. It's not tamale. So just just a little tidbit there. But Pre-game. you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> but he when he put up that flyer, I was like, this is rural. Right. Needville, Texas is rural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's having a tamal and salsa fundraiser. Sure. And I don't doubt that it was phenomenal and outstanding. Yeah. So it, we have to sometimes, you know, conform yeah, yeah. what will fit our environment, mm-hmm. our setting. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, these yeah. are all things that helped us. You know, we had Loteria fundraisers, Mexican bingo. Those things, not only were they enjoyable and fun, but they made us money. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And it makes people more comfortable going to something that they're familiar with and putting money into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy for us to do, you know, silent auctions and things of that nature. But if that's not the culture, mm-hmm. if that's not the environment, then that automatically makes the job for the volunteers and the band boosters harder because now there's nobody there and they're trying to explain something where if you say, Hey, we having a loteria or we, we doing this or we selling plates and doing a car wash. Oh, okay. Well, shoot, I'm gonna bring my car and I can bring the pit and I can make some barbecue and yep. sit out there for a few hours. Yep. Shoot, you know, talk, talk shop with y'all and this, that, and the third. So it's just, it's, 
it just makes people feel comfortable. And the more comfortable you feel, the more you're wanting to go out and be a part. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, and yeah. want to come back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For I, sure. You bringing that up, I remember a parent at Hamilton, we were working there, uh, brought up, she's like, you know, I'm uh, independent sales for Sensi. You remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the parents shot it down like real quick. Right. You know, we're you know we're not gonna make any money off of that. Right. Well, you, well I I am not gonna charge y'all anything. Like all the profits will go straight to the program. Anything we sell will be going back to the program. No, it's just so much work and effort, and and it's, we're not gonna make that much money. And I and I had to redirect that because right. here's at the same time I was in that year of trying to develop some type mm. of base of parents and that I saw that now. yeah I saw that I'm like yeah. ooh you're making this person feel bad and contributing I was like yeah. you know what uh, I'm gonna go ahead and veto that one and I'm gonna override it and say we are gonna do that yeah that's a hundred percent profit you can't do that yeah. if, if we come out with fifty dollars that's fifty dollars that we didn't have exactly we ended up getting five hundred dollars off right. of it you know what I mean right, it was right, way right. more than we expected and then that parent became an active band parent all the way up until both her kids graduated from high school band. Yep. When you start seeing that impact at the middle school level, it helps then they them. know. Yeah. It's like, hey, we're just we're one of those band parents. We expect that. We're going to go into those fundraisers. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the director itself has to be mindful of those situations occurring around them. Yeah, you have yeah. to see that conversation. Uh, I've I've redirected some parents time and time again. Like, yeah. hey, what you said to that parent was not right. Right, you know right, what I mean? right, like, right, let's, right. Let's make sure that at all times. Because all these parents have different backgrounds and they're coming from different situations. So you might have a parent who is has a little bit more uh, you know, flexibility in their schedule. So, yes, I can come and I can you know, think and drop ideas because I have two to three hours between my work days where I'm not doing work. Mm-hmm. Whereas another parent is like, hey, this is the time that I got. I want to give all my ideas to you because I, I'm literally working from eight to five. Yep. So that I'm here, I got an hour. Let's try this. Let's try that. But if you're not hearing me, I'm not about to, if I work eight to five, I'm going home when I get off. I'm not going to come to the school and sit here and have to hear people tell me, no, that's stupid. That's dumb. This, then the third. So yeah, now that's, that's good stuff. And I also think you have two different cultures, right? So when I was at Hamilton, um, uh, once Eric left and moved on to the next venture of his career, um, I had a very good staple of band parents that he had built and that I got to meet while I was there as an assistant. But those kids were eighth graders, and a lot of those parents who had the flexibility, yeah. they worked jobs from home, they had all went to high school. And so that next year – all my parents' situation, and this can happen for a lot of us, they can go from you have seasons of parents who have job flexibility, who may be retired, this, that, and the third, to you have a group of parents who are, they work. And they work, they work jobs whether they don't have that much flexibility or if they do, it's very, you know, minute. And so I had to figure out quickly because my band parent system had, like, dwindled within a year. And so, man, by God's grace, I had met a parent, Miss um, Torres, who I'm forever indebted to. She came in, and she just kind of came in one day when I was getting fundraising stuff together, taking up money for shirts and all of this. She was like, do you, do you need help? Right. Right? And I was like, yeah, you know. And I'm one of those people where – I know that parents are working hard because, like, Eric, my mom worked, and she could come to where she came. She came to all the concerts and stuff, but she wasn't available to do all of the, you know, booster stuff. So I'm very leery, and I don't want to ask people to do stuff that, you know, I feel like, hey, you got kids. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I don't mind, you know. And she was like, hey, what else do you need me to do? Um, I'm, uh, You know, she worked for herself, this, that, and the third. And she was like, I, I have time. I'd love to help out my daughters. I have two daughters in the pro. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And I'm thinking – 
she'll help with some bookkeeping this that, and the third but she ended up being my saving grace for my time that I was there and I was able to use her as a drawing point for parents because those next few years that I was there I still had so many parents who worked jobs they were principals doctors lawyers mm -hmm. working blue collar jobs you know managers of you know different uh, stores and things that and the other so they wanted to give and they could show up to an event so if we were doing a booth at the fall festival they were there yep. but as far as meeting and having that they could only come to a few meetings. And at those meetings, I allowed her to take the opportunity. I explained the vision and what we were doing. I allowed Miss Torres to kind of connect with people. And it just really helped, man. I put the power in their hands, and she would re report to me. And she literally took everything off my – I was able to be a band director. I mean, fundraising, money, talking. Like, I would go to the principals with stuff. Yeah, these are things that uh, we've printed up and we've worked through. Mm -hmm. So if we, And so when you give them that power and you let them know that you need their help, not like – you know, sometimes we as directors, we just say, yeah, I mean, you can help me. But when you let them know, hey, you're helping me, yep. helping me do my mm -hmm. job better by serving your kids, then they'll, they're more than open to helping you. And, man, that lady is family. Like, I've been to her house. We've eaten dinner. We've done fundraising stuff at her house. It's just been a joy, man. So I haven't had those bad experiences. You know? uh, and it, Yeah, I remember having a – when you bring that up, I remember having a conversation with a colleague that was like, they're a parent booster organization. The kids should not do any fundraising. And I was like, okay, they were not going to make any money. Right. You know, and I was like, just let's be real about Come that. Come on, man. You know, yes, let's, let's, let's ask our yes. parents to do more. Sure. Uh, but if they can't, then we still, guess what? We still don't have the needs that right. we want that right. we, to get our kids to the level that we want to get them that. Because, yeah. I mean, there were things just the other day, man, I was going through some old pictures to look at uh, some of the concert band pictures that I did for the other, other episode. And I came across my last UIL at Heights. Wow. Where I drove <laughs> instruments, instruments in my truck, yeah. and we had a bass player, and we didn't have enough money to rent a truck because that's not something that's allocated through the district. And I'm not gonna make excuses. We had to perform. Well, guess what? I got a truck. We gonna go. And I, you Period. know, I sent I sent a staff member on the bus, and I drove the truck behind them. Yep. And I, you're right. Like, man, I I was one of those that okay, I can't make excuses right now this isn't going to affect me i'm you know i'm not going to put this on my kids either because I, I want them to have the most pleasant you know performance. performance yes so i did have this glass half full approach yeah it was one of those things and you know when you're talking about these these fundraisers we can't expect that what worked at school a is going to work, work at school no, b man no you got to do the research and you got to know your community because Knowing your community also means that you're being sensitive to what they want and what they may need and what they want to invest. At the end of the day, uh, a fundraiser is an investment, yep. right? Like if you got passing out cars for people who want to buy a yacht, yep. <laughs> like that's not going to necessarily gonna work, work. Mm -hmm. in your environment. If people yep. are like, I don't want to buy a yacht, take that away from you. You know what exactly. I'm saying? But you got things that, you know, whether it's raffle drawings, whether it's, you know, hey, how many kids – can get their parents here. How many people that get the most family members here? We doing a raffle. We raffling off flat screen TVs, this, that, and the third. Well, now you kind of killing two birds with one stone. You're building this notoriety for your program, right? Because people are inviting their kids because they thinking, shoot, I'm gonna just go see if I can get this TV. But then they're like, wow, what is happening here? Mm -hmm. And so you just you gotta sit there and do the the hard work to figure out what's gonna work because you need to get the money. Right. Yeah. And just because you do something, just because you send home, you know, Girl Scout cookies like that may not <laughs> that may not work, man. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You may come away with, you know, two hundred dollars and you could have did something that wasn't necessarily in the box is more out of the box. But you made five hundred or you made a thousand. So talk about out yeah. of the box, man. What comes to mind was a uh, second year at Heights that I spent the night 
Oh in, yeah, in the office. Um, that barbecue. You know, one one of our, which was a an alum of the actual program, was now a big brother of one of our our students. He offered. He's like, hey man, I'll I'll do the cooking. Right. And he goes, but I need to be at the school all day. You right. know. And so I went to administration and said, what does that look like? And he's like, well, you need to, you're the one with the code, the security code. You need to be be here here. on site. So that was after a football game, before a contest. Wow. I spent the night that day. Uh, We sold plates the next morning leading up to the contest. The next morning was my birthday. Wow. Uh, So given that is an example of extreme sacrifice on my part, uh, willing to do that. And, and we made very good money on mm-hmm. that on that fundraiser, and it benefited all the students to what we raised. So it's it's a it's up to you to decide how much are you going to be willing to give. Yeah. Uh, just know that the success that Justin and I experienced what did require some sacrifice yeah. on our end. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't put all on me at no. times. It was sometimes like hey, Justin would get me. He's like, "Hey, bro, you go home. I got this." Right. Right. Or right. vice versa. It For was, sure. "Hey, all four of us, or all the entire staff, does not need to stay." For this for this event, yeah. you know, if you want to show up, cool. If not, I got this one. So make it manageable that you don't burn yourself out and get frustrated, right? You know, that, so I'm not I'm not advocating for you to kill yourself, no, 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 because no, no. obviously I did that before and it wasn't healthy, <laughs> and I would never, you know, when I look back at those times, I'm part of me uh, wishes I would have done it differently, but I don't regret it right. because it all, it all helped that to where I'm at today, but at the same time to teach and help other music educators not make some of the same mistakes. Right. So I want to make sure that you understand that the recommendation that we're giving you is of, I want you to look at it as half glass full. Yeah. And so when you, when you have that approach, when things are not going your way, yeah. Because when we have colleagues from school that are teaching at these settings and it's like, yeah, man, we don't worry about that. I got the 18 wheeler truck and, and you, you got to hear that. We got just... 50 parents when <laughs> they got matching polos and and they do it for me. <laughs> I don't we, move anything. You know what I'm saying? When I was at Davis, man, shout out to one parent, Miss Chavez. I had one parent unload, help me unload the truck at UIL wow. where I paid for the U-Haul truck. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I remember going to the administration like, is there any way? Like, no, we can't pay for that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'll I gotta find a way. You know what yeah. I mean? And and yet like I told you, there's some things that I would not do again as a with the family. I'm not paying for you how to no, 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 figure no, this out. No, no. So I want to make sure that we're advocating for that. The fact that whatever situation you're walking into, stop comparing, if you will, to other situations. Comparison and, kills, man. And, and kills. just walk in and think, All right, how can I make X better? All right, I don't have enough instruments. Okay, let me start an instrument donation yeah. campaign. The first step is to send an email out to just your campus. And you'd be surprised. Some of those know. teachers are like, yeah, I have an instrument. Here you go. I used to right. be in band. I don't play anymore. Mm-hmm. The next, you know, the other one is to recruit parents and creating this culture of parents of helping, of, 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 of leadership within them, of servitude, of serving the program. Yeah. And so now let's, let's end it with, I don't have the kids. So how am I supposed to create a program from nothing if I don't have the kids? What you got? Well, first you got to work with the kids you got. So one of the things that you can't do is you cannot look at it like I need more. In order to get more, you got to handle what you have. And I think sometimes in the band world, we're thinking about music, we're thinking about the production, the performances. It looks better if I have more than 20 kids on the stage. And for high school directors, it looks better if I have more than 30 kids on the football field. I get it. I really do. 
But what you have to be willing to do is lose to win. And you got to be willing to say, okay, if I walked into a program and if it was 40 kids, let me devote to this 40 and start figuring out, okay, how can I get and have manageable goals. If you get there in the fall and you got 40 kids and you're a high school band director, okay, you're not going to be able to gather 50 to 60 more kids over the course of three months during football season. You're trying to do games. Maybe you say, my last game is this day. Let me just start. Let me try to get two two to, or 10 kids maybe over the two months and then by the time you get to christmas break you got about 60 to 70 kids then you take those 60 and 70 and say let me let me devote time effort into this for the spring as we work through concert season solo and ensemble getting through leadership and then when i get to the summer by the time school's over hey if you still where are all my students that want to do band? If you're interested, we're going to be here over the summer. But you got to have a plan and be willing to work with what you have. Develop those kids because watch this. Those kids will help lead and develop the group of kids you're bringing in. Mm. You need an infrastructure. And anytime you're building something, you need people that trust your vision that can help uh, assimilate other people into what you're doing. I think that's one of the things we did at Heights, especially even before I got there. You know, Eric was very intricate and saying okay let's draw kids but while we're drawing i'm gonna be investing because once those kids get here they need something to want to be a part of yeah because if they show if you if you walk in and say well i need more kids and then the kids show up, but you don't have nothing for them then what's gonna keep them around so yeah so you, you touched on a point that i think we did very well at so my first year at heights it was literally like recruit 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 yeah. posters posters let me get the mic at a pep rally right you know uh let me get on the announcements uh second year i did just as much if and if not i pulled back just a little mm-hmm. um and then by the third year i i, I did make posts i did you yeah, know but i didn't stress too much care it, because now the kids were recruiting on their own it's like hey mister and then i had a i had procedures it was um every day during band camp hey you know i'm gonna challenge y'all if each of y'all brought one person right. this band would double right you know so what i'm gonna challenge y'all bring me two people and, you know, obviously, the majority are not. No. But now the go-getters have it in the back of their mind. Hmm. Hey. Grow this band. Yeah. Hey, yeah. so-and-so, you were in band in middle school? Come on. Yeah. Walk with me. Exactly. Hey, Mr. Menace, he plays flute. And then he walks in and like, okay, have a seat. And now it could be, this is our job now. This is like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, nothing. You know? So what right. do you do after school? I go home. Right. Well, why don't you hang out with us? Okay. You know, <laughs> and, and it and it's and that's how it happens. So but you know, let's talk about when they walk in two weeks into the school year. Now they miss all the band camp. Right. If you're at the high school level and now, you know, so it's a it's about creating this platform and an environment that still brings them in from the get go. And it was like, Okay, you're part of the band now. You're going to the game on Friday. You won't march, but you'll be in the stands right. and you know, but I don't know any other music. That's cool. You'll learn it. And in making them be a part, because you touched on something, the fact that we, if we focus on just recruitment, we don't focus on retention. Yeah. And one thing that you and I did very well is that we had very little issues on retention. Yeah. Once we got the kids that wanted to be there, um, we retained them. And then we were okay with, because this is what's going to happen. You'll balloon kids into your program. We might have got, you know, in the fall. 30 to 40 kids over the first three months of school, including summer band, but we was able to retain 25 of them. Mm-hmm. And that 25 helped us. So don't be upset if you get a whole bunch of kids and all of a sudden, I don't really, or they coming in. Because we had kids, well, Mr. Menez, Mr. McLeod, our parents don't, it's too much time. Okay, we understand. Cool. Hey, there's a place for you here if ever that happens. But 
you have to have those kids there to be able to retain the ones that still that want to be there. That's like if I'm not playing, that's fine. I'll, I'll show up. I'm still gonna be dedicated. So, yeah. So to wrap it up, we, you know, you have to create a uh, a system, a vision yeah. that works for you. Yes. Uh, and at times, it'll feel or sound unorthodox mm-hmm. because it wasn't taught in your undergraduate courses on how to how to run a music program. Right. So you know, I. I was never told to have a loteria fundraiser, you know, and quite honestly, we weren't told about the administrative side yeah. as to the extent that we handle. Or building relationships with your band boosters. It was just an automatic, like, you should have band boosters. They should be able to do this. It was, it's so, exactly. It's just, yeah. So uh, be okay with it sounding or looking unorthodox. Yeah. But if it works for you and your setting and your kids, by all means, continue that and yep. nurture that. Yep. So be open to say, let me walk into my situation. Okay. This is what it looks like right now, but this is what it could look like. And when you operate with that mindset, you're going to create some really good things yes, and sir. be surprised at what you have. So, Justin, what you got? Uh, I think you got to look at it like you said. You got to look at the glass half full, not half empty, and realize that you have something in your hand. And it's only going to become something if you invest in it. No matter how small it is, no matter how torn down what you walk into, what's not there, you have the ability to put those things in place. And so just get it done, man. Put your head down, do the work, and and come up with plans, come up with systems that will help you reach goals by months, by years, and ultimately you look up and you got a fully functioning program. And like Eric said, that may not have come the orthodox way. This has been another production of The Score. Connect with us on social media at PodTheScore. Send us an email, PodTheScore at gmail.com, or visit our website, revivalmusicproject.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, do us a huge favor. Rate and review us. This will help us reach even more listeners. Intro music by Justin McLean. The rotation and outro music by Ben Borges. And as always, let's continue to impact these lives through the vehicle of music. Music.